0: Hi, and welcome to episode three of Works Broken with Nilo Carl. This episode is about COVID-19. My ambition with this week's episode is to remove a lot of the sensationalism and hysteria that is in the media and on social media right now and actually drill down some actual facts about what we can expect from the coming weeks and months and how, as a society, we pull together, um, learn a little bit about resilience and figure out a way to navigate through this this difficult time. Today's guest is Professor Luke O'Neill, immunologist in Trinity College. Luke has made pioneering discoveries in the area of metabolic reprogramming in immunity and immunometabolism. He's also a fellow of the Royal Society and a member of the European Molecular Biology Organization. I suppose, I suppose a good place to start, Luke, really is that whilst I know you're uh, one of the foremost thinkers in, in the immune system, maybe you could explain a little bit for people about exactly what your expertise is in this area.
1: Sure. Yes, I'm an immunologist. That's my profession. Now. And I became one, I suppose, over 30 years ago now, really, you know. Uh, my first degree was biochemistry, but then when I was doing my PhD, and especially in Cambridge as a postdoc, I got into immunology big time. And that was at a time when immunology was taken off like a rocket, actually. We're talking the mid 80s here. And then number of discoveries in immunology were coming thick and fast. You know, it was an incredibly mm-hmm. exciting period. Uh, one reason was HIV, interestingly, mm-hmm. because when that virus came along, We would no idea what it did. We knew it affected the immune system, but it was really unclear, you know, lots of people began working on HIV then. And as a result of that, then they discovered stuff about the immune system, you know. So we see HIV somewhat paradoxically as as the galvanizer for immunology in a way, you know. And then the second big thing that happens is we discover all these component parts using clever molecular biology and cloning and all kinds of things, you know, we discover all the bits And my my lab very much over the years has been discovering all the different bits. And I've got a big lab in Trinity still trying to understand the inner workings of the immune system. And of course, you know, specifically for this virus, you need to understand how the immune system interacts with it. Mm -hmm. My own expertise actually is more to do with what's called inflammation. And that happens when the immune system goes out of control, really, and begins to damage our own tissues. Mm -hmm. And we see inflammation in diseases like arthritis, for example, in joints. But equally, the COVID-19 it's the inflammation that's killing people in their lungs, you know. So that's mm-hmm. the specific aspect of COVID nineteen that I would be especially interested in the inflammatory process and how we might understand that and then target it, you know.
0: And 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 that is you, you explained to me in our last conversation that that is the fundamental difference between COVID nineteen and what we saw as the the, the the Spanish flu back at the start of the twentieth century, is the the, the, the inflammation uh, of the immune system was affecting younger people and that this yeah. this this is. This is still are, are we still comfortable with the with the knowledge that we have around COVID-19, that it is something that is affecting people who have um, underlying health issues?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it, if you, just, it's good to compare those two viruses, actually, no, to be honest. So the COVID-19 virus is called SARS-CoV-2. It's, it's famous now, you know, coronavirus, two. It's in the coronavirus family. The thing that caused the 1918 flu was an influenza virus. That's a different virus entirely. They have mm-hmm. similarities in that they both have a thing called RNA as their genetic material. So the recipe to make them is made of RNA in both cases. They've got a fatty coat around them, but then they've got different proteins in that coat. So they're quite different in that regard. But they both they both will cause inflammation, actually. And when you die of flu again, you're dying a kind of an overactive inflammatory process. But the big mystery with 1918 was it was young people who were dying mm. with, with, with COVID-19 it's old people. And we still don't really know why i mean it's, it's still an open question as to why that would be there's a few ideas here um one is with older people as you get older your immune system gets less effective but strangely a particular part the what's called the innate immune system is actually more active in older people for some unknown mm. reason again you know and that's what's killing them with younger people they had a more active adaptive immune system this other part was more active and that was killing them you know so the subtleties here which mm. of course reveal the complexity. Yeah. of these things and it's always that interface between the specific virus and it could be influenza it could be coronavirus and the immune system that's the interface that really we're all working on and trying to understand more and more on because if we can get a handle on that then you might get specific treatments for different viral diseases you know
0: mm-hmm and it's um it's it's particularly interesting like you did mention to me um, that you know the, the obviously we're hearing a lot about washing our hands um, and we're hearing yeah. a lot about social distancing and you, you mentioned that it's actually a virus that's, that's relatively easy to kill. And that, you know, wiping yep. down the counter with, with some DeTol or whatever will actually kill the virus. And is that, is that kind of unique? and it, 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 It's kind of fascinating for me as somebody who wouldn't understand this stuff <laughs> that, that yeah. on any, any depth of level. But if it's that easy to kill, why is it so easy to spread
1: yeah, well, well, many viruses are relatively easy to kill, in a sense. They're strangely quite fragile things when they're outside the body because they're little fatty sacks. effectively. They've got a thing on a membrane, which is very fatty, that forms the bag, as it were. Mm-hmm. And in the bag, then, you've got the genetic material that's the recipe to make another virus. And the bag, then, is studded with these various proteins. But It's, a, it's basically a, a lump of fat, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, what that means is things like soap very good at dissolving fat. I mean, we, that's why we use soap to wash our hands. It dissolves mm-hmm. fat. Uh, alcohol. As you know, as we know, that's another great way to dissolve fat too. You see, mm. so and UV light actually the the membrane doesn't like UV, so again sunlight will kill it. You know, mm-hmm. and and lot there are lots of viruses like that. Some viruses have have envelopes around them that make them a bit more hardy, and then they're a bit more difficult to kill in that way. You know, but this one is quite straightforward to kill, so it's easy. Mm-hmm. And then it just spreads because if 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 you cough it out, then you know. And lands on a surface. Say it will land. land it'll um, live on that surface for a good day or two. Interestingly, mm-hmm. if unless you squirt a bit of soap on it or a bit of bleach or a bit of um, alcohol, then you can kill it. You know. Mm-hmm. But if, if it's if it's left to its own devices, it'll sit there and stay alive for quite a few hours. And that's why it's so contagious because someone might have coughed on the table and you put your hand on it and touch your face say or someone coughs directly at you of course and some of those droplets get into you you know so mm-hmm. it's, it's quite straightforward to spread it's got there's a, there's a thing a thing that um uh what i call epidemiologists that's the specialty that looks at spreading of things they use this what oh, got an r value and what that means is number of people who get infected by one person and
0: mm-hmm. the number
1: is about 2.3 with this virus uh, and it's about that's the same as flu, as roughly the same number. There's much more infectious diseases. Chicken pox, that number is nine, for instance. So one person infects nine. So it's not as bad as that, thankfully. But mm. still, having a number of two point three is reasonably high, because that means it'll spread, because the next person gets infected, and then two more, and two more, and two more, and you can go from a single person being infected up to millions, actually. Mm -hmm. Quite a a quick period, you know, a six-week period, amazing, you know, given that Mm -hmm. level of spread it was uncontrolled.
0: Mm. So uh, I suppose that logically then leads into where we are in regards to to lockdown in the country and the reasons why we're all staying home. Um, Is there a sense, I I know that you're involved with advising the HSE and I know that you you did reassure me the last day about the quality of, of experts who are, Advising the HSE, and yep. I think I think to be fair, I think there's a general feeling in 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 the country that the government have actually handled this quite well, it's particularly in yep. comparison to other other nations. Um, but do you feel there's a sense that there's some level of turning on this thing, or is it yep. still a kind of uh We're just waiting to see.
1: Well, that's a great question. There was a, every day this is changing. Remember, we're getting more data. To analyze that data and come up with opinions and the hsc do have a great set of experts and and they're doing their best there's no question you know and they're looking at best practice internationally they've brought guys in from china from italy to advise them you know so there's no question they're doing their best on this it's still a risky thing because there's unknowns here and, and you have got to make a decision eventually hopefully based on data mm-hmm. and it's always about the quality of that data then that you're basing the decision on you see so but but the thing about last night that was extremely interesting, I thought it was a study done in Australia, which where they modeled Ireland specifically. They've done several countries based on numbers and so on. Mm-hmm. And what they've shown is very interesting. If we don't maintain 90% social isolation, which means 90% of the population have to stay home, right? Mm-hmm. If we maintain that, it'll begin to clear in about three months, they're predicting now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the earliest, in a sense, because it's very hard to go above ninety percent. Let's face it, because people yeah. will always not comply. Yeah. If that drops to eighty percent, it's going to take four months to five months. So you can see it ramping out longer now. You know, yeah. if it goes to seventy percent, it it won't be contained in months and months and months. Mm. So it's quite a narrow window there. So in other words if thirty percent of people don't comply with social isolation this could go on for three six nine months is the prediction from that model you see yeah and this makes sense remember there's, no, there's nothing fancy in the science here in ireland essentially you got to break the chain stop yeah. people stop person number one infecting person number two it's as simple yeah. as that and the way you achieve that is we all stay home you know mm-hmm. now we can go out for a walk into the shops of course you know but that's got to be complied with and that's what the irish approach has been and, and 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 according to Simon Harris this morning, I was listening to him actually on News Talk. They say it may be beginning to work. They are seeing a slowdown, you know, mm-hmm. in numbers of cases. That's the indication this is working. It's obvious again. Yeah, less people getting infected. You know, they were they were projecting I think it was fifteen thousand cases by the end of this week. They've ramped that back a bit now because they feel maybe the social so, social isolation is starting to work. Because and, and it mm-hmm. should work. It's again, it's not rocket science. This, in a sense, you know.
0: Yeah, it's um. Yeah, and, and it's uh, you know, I, I think I think it was really important and I'm I'm the one of the reasons I was so keen to talk to you is uh, first of all, I, I love the 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 way you can break down complicated science into very simple, common sense, kind of accessible information. But also there's a sense of calm in knowing information. And yeah. I think that, that that part of the problem that exists in society is we spend too much time on social media listening to somebody who's just made Absolutely. up some facts in their head, you know. And it's that, that 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 classic kind of you know all all um, all statistics are or ninety-eight percent of statistics are made up or whatever you want, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's 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 easy to make something up and send it around the world now. Um Absolutely. But, yeah. but do you feel that um um I guess I guess one of the things that, that troubles me and is something that I've heard people talking about, is when we look at what's going on, say in England. Um, and obviously they've gone into, they actually went to even much more severe lockdown having done nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's even with their lockdown, there's images of people on the London underground all crammed in together and, you know, yep. about as far removed from social distancing as you can get. And is there a fear that if we get this under control and we manage to, to well, I suppose manage is the best thing, we're not going to eradicate it, but if we manage to manage this, this virus as best we can. Yep. Is, is is that fear real then that like is there a potential that we might have no flights between england and ireland and allowing for the fact that we have a border with yep. the uk as well like is, is that a genuine fear or is that something that 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 can it's be a
1: consideration i mean it's all about the numbers it's as simple yeah. as that now so every day as you know the hsc releases numbers of positive cases and number of deaths. Those are the the two key numbers, you know. Mm -hmm. And every country in the world is looking at those numbers every single day now. And then they try to model it based on the trends there, based on the past, say, two, three weeks. And then they try to extend the line into the future. You know, that's what modeling is all about. Mm -hmm. Although There was a great statement yesterday. A famous statistician said, all models are wrong, you know, (laughs) but some might be somewhat informative is the kind of bottom line. You you know, so it's difficult because there's no definites here. Yeah. But of course, I'm, I'm, we're all waiting now, now everybody's waiting. What are the numbers going to be, say, in two, three days, six mm. days, nine days, twelve days? And they have to be ready for the massive surge because they'd be stupid not to be to ramp up. and, and you saw in the u k they're building a four thousand bed unit in the XL in London, you know mm. because just in case you have to plan for the worst case scenario, obviously. And and that again, that's based on the thing running riot in a way, and saying, "Look, this would be if things get really bad," and the hope is you're ramping back from that the whole time, and social isolation is a major way to ramp back from that number, you know, because obviously people aren't spreading it. Mm -hmm. But but it is all about the numbers, and we just don't know. And 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 I can't Mm -hmm. wait to see these numbers. I'm on my knees begging that they're half what they were fearful of, you know, and and that's hope that's the case. That's hope these measures would have worked. The UK was in a funny experiment there; it delayed. That Cheltenham thing was a disaster. Now, in retrospect, mm. there's no question. In fact, the cases in Ireland—I bet you many of them yeah. the numbers that are going up here came from Cheltenham. I bet you, you know, it was obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a mistake. And, and the, the, when there's an inquiry into this, they look back at it and go, "Oh, we, you know, we didn't act quickly enough." I bet you is what they're going to say, you know. But now, of course, they've got a full process there. They're being very, very careful, you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting now what they're planning on doing. This is, I think, two days ago. They want to get one and a half million tests now for antibody right now that's a that's a relatively new development because what that means is you've had the infection and got over it you know and that's a very useful measure Mm. because now you know how many people in the community have had the virus Mm. and are now protected and are no longer infectious you see Mm -hmm. and they're going to have a million and a half tests they say in the uk over the next seven days they're testing how good those tests are because if the tests are wrong or inaccurate that'll be more damaging you know and in ireland we have to move to that as well we've got to move to testing people now the days of testing if you have the virus i think are now gone there's no point in doing that Mm. you know because it doesn't change how you're being treated you're still in isolation you know and if you get very sick you go to the hospital so you don't need to know if you've got the virus or not in a sense um but it would be very useful to know who's had it and who's now protected and what that number is
0: that's a really interesting point, actually, because I know like we, we, we had some of our clients sending in questions when they heard that I was talking to you. And one, one of the questions was the kind of the, you know, if 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 you have the virus, how long afterwards, you know, like if you wait the 14 days, you know, do, do, is it OK to stop self-isolating? But the reality is we're all self-isolating anyway. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't really matter, does it? Well,
1: well, the Chinese did something very interesting. Well, this I heard this on I think it was Tuesday night. Um. They began to test for this. Right. And if you'd had the virus and if you would antibodies in your system and it would probably was, say, three weeks after the whole thing, you know, it started roughly a three week window. You were given a, a QR code on your phone that had a green symbol. OK. And if you if you didn't have the virus, you were yellow. OK, that means you hadn't been exposed yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you were red, you know, if you were still infectious. And still, shouldn't be anywhere near anybody else, basically, right? And mm-hmm. that was a very interesting categorisation. Where that's headed is, and this this could be the case: the ones who are green will be let out into the community again. You can go back to work, you can go to the shops. In other words, you are now immune. Mm-hmm. You will not spread the virus. You're, 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 it's almost like sort of brave new world. You're given an alpha score. So you're
0: not you're not infected if if you've had the virus and you come out the other side of it. You're not yep. infectious to anyone else then.
1: Absolutely, and you won't get it again. So you're you're okay. clean in the sense, and that if I can use the word clean, you know what I mean. So in other words, you're not infectious and you won't catch it. So now okay. you're kind of bulletproof in a way. Yeah. And then why wouldn't those people be allowed back into the workplace? And certainly the healthcare workers will want to know that. Yeah. Because the, those of the who had it and now they're you know they're 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 now over it. That they they can work in the hospitals and have no fear of infection. You see, and they can help patients. Mm-hmm. So, so we could be heading in that direction. The debate will move towards that now, actually, mm-hmm. towards um, finding who is protected and who is not infectious anymore and won't be in the future, you know? yeah. And those, those will be given a special categorization, I bet you. And they'll mm-hmm. be allowed maybe back into the workplace or back into whatever it might be, you know? And if that number grows then into hundreds of thousands of people, then we're almost back to normal, you know? So, mm-hmm. so we're beginning to see a little glimmer of how we might get out of this. And it mm-hmm. will be through people having the virus and becoming resistant. And of course, there's this famous phrase herd immunity that you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. That's what that is, really. It's, it's the percent of people in a population who have had a disease and are now resistant, you know, and they're now immune mm-hmm. and they can be immune for life. Remember, for certain infections, the mm-hmm. mystery with this one is how long that protection will last if you've had it, you know, mm-hmm. and we still don't know the answer to that, by the way. There's, there's reasonable indications you will be protected for months. If you've had it, you know that's a reasonable yeah. assumption. I think at this stage, but we okay. still don't really know that, actually, to be honest. But, that's, but still, that's the current assumption.
0: That's fascinating. And and how how far down the road are we towards? Um, I, I know we were talking initially that it was going to take, you know, it would take probably about twelve months to have a vaccine, and that next year will yep. probably be this 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 virus will be vaccinated against like most other flus or or most other viruses. But how far off do you think we are from having um, a vaccine to like to to one hundred percent be free of this thing.
1: It's it's at least a year, but no, I'll definitely yeah. I mean they were on the optimistic side they were talking about the autumn, you know? But looking at the developments that are happening and the rate that, that we can see this every day actually you can see this online. Uh the rate the trials are happening now, I say it's about a year to a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um there's something more hopeful though ahead of that which is really interesting and going very, very fast. And that is if you've been infected you will have antibodies in your bloodstream because the antibodies have busted the virus, basically. You know, I could take those antibodies from your blood and give them to someone else. Mm-hmm. And those antibodies now will protect that person or mm-hmm. indeed kill the virus in that person's body. If this, is, this is called anti serum therapy. There's various names for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is ramping up now. And there's lots of companies developing antibody based approaches to use okay. as a therapy. That's much quicker. Okay. Because you're not trying to use a virus or a bit of a virus, you're not trying to. Yeah. Of course, what virus, what the vaccine does is it drives antibodies. You know, so you're kind of cutting out the middleman there in a way and going straight to the antibodies. There are trials happening now with these antibodies. In fact, last night again, I sent out this tweet: Mount Sinai, one of the famous medical places mm-hmm. in the US, they have begun a trial right now using antibody therapy on patients that are severe. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's wonderful because this is a very rapid way to limit this virus. So, mm-hmm. so when we talk about that kind of approach we think the antibody based therapy approach will be much quicker and could be available by September. And that's a reasonable sort of timeline mm. now, you know, so we're like three, four, four or five months away from that. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, the other main hope we have now is an antiviral drug that kills the virus on contact. Mm-hmm. There's a drug called resdemivir, which was developed for Ebola actually. That's mm-hmm. showing promise. And that could be in humans in a month to two months you know mm-hmm. and that would be the game changer now because that, that that'll kill the virus on contacts and lower the viral counts completely in people
0: massive you know? yeah
1: so we're seeing that that as a really um, optimistic
0: and I'd, I'd, I think I think prospect. it's a very positive news story for people to kind of latch on to is the fact that, you know, as you pointed out the last day I spoke to you, that some 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 of the great minds in, in this area are working, you know, 24 hours a day to try and find the answer. Oh, absolutely. It's
1: unbelievable. Yeah. And the I answer mean, there's will at least 40, come. These 40 companies now developing, trying to develop a vaccine, for instance, there's 80 separate clinical trials running as we speak. Mm-hmm. with various drugs to block the inflammation and kill the virus and all the rest of it. Uh, 30 of those will read out by the second week in April. Mm-hmm. And we'll have proper data from those trials because you've got to do what's called a double-blind placebo control trial. You know? yeah. Those trials are running, and we're going to have data in, in, about, in about three weeks with some of these approaches, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then we, again, yet again, it's back to that word, well, data. data. Yeah. Scientists live and die by their data. Mm-hmm. and we'll start getting that data now in the next three weeks. And that, that'll really help, I think, because if you go to mid-April, then the VISTA might be social isolation will be shown to be definitely working. It's all slowed down. That means less pressure on the health service, which is great. Mm-hmm. Secondly, there'll be scientific evidence that some of these approaches are actually working. Mm-hmm. And then the question then becomes how do you ramp that up and get those drugs into people as quickly as we can. Then that'll move into that phase mm-hmm. next. You know, so, so we, this is all projected you know we can see this coming down the track towards us you see yeah. and it's a really good example actually of as, as you've said there a gang of people doing their best and thinking through all these these are very clever people I remember we mm-hmm. you know they've all yeah. got phd's <laughs> um, they're thinking these things through, wondering what do we do in the next one, two, three, four months, what's the best case scenario, what's the worst case scenario, to weigh it all up, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's a great thing to have that community, I suppose, it's a massive community of scientists. And it, and, there, there's, a great,
0: there's a great comfort to be got from that too, to know that, that, that you know, there's, this isn't something that's just running riot and nobody's doing anything to stop it, yeah, which I think absolutely. sometimes yeah. the fears get a bit carried away with this stuff um what i might do luke if you don't mind is i have a few questions here that that, that people have sent in and they're just general kind of sure i, I i'm not even sure I, i've got these sent over to you so i'm not even sure what all of them are so <laughs> we'll skip through them um i have one here from neve asking if your husband gets covid is it definite i will catch it in the same house uh never usually catch colds etc from him
1: no that's a very interesting question so there's loads of studies of this now, so you can have a single. In Ireland, this has been done, by the way, as well, not just um, in China. So, you you, you 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 could have the virus right now, mm-hmm. and you might have two kids and a wife and a dog and whatever, right? None of them might pick it up off you. It's a strange thing, mm-hmm. and and of course, one of the big questions in immunology is why is that? You know, now the first obvious answer is you, you're you're keeping yourself away as you can, and they aren't picking it up off you. That, that's very difficult to do in a house with everybody so that's unlikely right the second thing is you are keeping the surfaces clean and your hands clean and, and the chance of the person picking it up then is much lower in that situation you know thirdly your kids and your wife got a very strong immune system and mm-hmm. you, you you do cough over them but that they, they kill the virus and, and and they don't get it. you know so those are the kind mm-hmm. of reasons that um, it is it isn't 100% basically you know um
0: right here's one from um Sinead. um once the current Irish restrictions are lifted, what measures would Prof O'Neill envisage would be required in Ireland to stop COVID-19 jumping back up, as noted by Dr. Ryan, the World Health Organization? For example, is it likely that people arriving into Ireland will have to go into quarantine for 14 days?
1: That's another very good question. Yeah, I mean, that, that's coming out the other end of it in a way, you mm. know, and again, we're not, we're not used to this, of course, so it's, it's, it's hard to predict it in a sense. But if if we go back to normal, and that might be, six months say it but it could be that long right what will ireland look like then that's really what the question is yeah. now at that stage um the good news will be most people will have either had it and got over it or will never have had it the virus will be has, has disappeared or begin to disappear from the community so it's now gone you know um and the only way that can come back in again is if, if if again it's an outbreak somewhere else and someone travels to ireland you know so they'll be looking at that very very closely i i suspect we'll just we'll keep up the hygiene for, a long, for months and months, mm. you know. And then we'll carry on. And then the vaccine, that's the, the joy of this in a way, the vaccine is available and all the vulnerable get vaccinated first, of course. You don't need to vaccinate everybody. Yeah. Remember, 80% of people do fine. Keep reminding yourself of that, everybody. Because, yeah. You know, um, so that means like four out of five people pick up the virus and of those 80%, a huge number of very mild symptoms because their immune system kills it, you know. That'll mm-hmm. still be the case and this goes away if it, if it comes back to the country so so the mm-hmm. ideal scenario is it's like the flu and, and flu comes up every winter a certain number of people get it we protect the elderly with the vaccine and we carry on regardless and that's, that's mm-hmm. what will
0: happen with it yeah um, Anne-Marie wants to know do you think there is a genetic predisposition to the virus given the situation in Italy and in New York when entire families being affected and I that's guess the
1: fantastic f- these are great questions that I'll ask yeah yeah we, we have clever clients yeah. <laughs> That that is a central question in all of immunology, by the way. Genetic differences between us. Like, why do you get Crohn's disease and I don't, say? If that's Mm. the area. I work on inflammatory diseases, for instance. But equally, why do some people get an infection and other people not? And we know it's genetic. That's a big factor here. And you can have, they've, they've done studies with other infectious agents over the years. You know, you can have 100 people in a room. You expose them to, say, a bacteria. And maybe one in three get it, Right. Now, if all those people are the same age, same health, same status, and yet one in three are getting it, that's got to be genetic. You know, the other mm-hmm. two thirds have stronger immune systems. They got slightly different immune systems. Every, you know, all we have genetic variation and everything between us. Look, look at height, for instance. You know, and the immune yeah. system's no different. So, see, so people have a slightly different immune molecule that maybe is better at beating this infectious agent, and therefore they're resistant. You know, mm-hmm. and what you're actually seeing through evolution, by the way, over millions of years is the ones who survive have the right immune genes to fight the infection. The ones who had a different gene that couldn't fight it died off. You know, so so the genetics of this is really interesting, and and, and they're beginning to look at that, um, and and there does seem to be some hints that certain groups in China were more susceptible because they had a particular what's called a HLA allele, I know it's very technical, but there were specific immune genes in those people that made them more sensitive. You know, so again, mm-hmm. that's a that's a very much an active area of research.
0: Mm-hmm. I've got. Uh, <clears throat> Not, not, not surprisingly, I've got. I think uh, Roz, John, Brian, James, um, all asking about kind of an end date or, or treatment. Yeah. I think. I think. I think realistically, from what I, you've kind of answered that to a degree, but I think realistically, we're looking at uh, the far at the far end of the summer, uh, optimistically. I would. Yeah.
1: Think. The, the shocker is Nile. We don't know. Start with that. That's what's so frustrating. We just don't know. Yeah. Now that that's a hands up admission and we just don't have the data to to tell, you know, when that's going to be. What we do know is what happened in China and China is now opening up again, remember, and and people are somewhat return to normality in Wuhan happening, as you know, and restaurants are opening again and shops and the Apple stores were the first to open, you know, whatever. So and and that did take about three, four or five months, I suppose you might say. So now they had full lockdown. Remember, remember this number I mentioned earlier of 90 percent? If it's 90%, we might be out of it in three months, that kind of thing. That's partly mm. based on those Chinese studies. So if we maintain this social distancing to, be, to 90% or above, three months from now, we might start coming out of it. But that's the mm. best guess at the moment.
0: Um, one question here, it's actually a very simple one from Martha, and I think it's a very good question, is what, what can I do to boost my immune system? Protect yes,
1: that's a, that, that's the great one, and, and I, I can't answer that one. Thankfully, we know all about the immune system, <laughs> so we we can have a good go at this one for <laughs> now. And, and this represents thirty years of fantastic research. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah, we know so much about the immune system. We know all the a lot of the component parts. So, for example, I give you one tiny example, a bit of a technical term, but um, there's a very important cell type in your body called a natural killer cell. Isn't that a great name? No? Mm-hmm. That's a white blood cell. That's very good at killing viruses, actually. So we need these. in They call called NK cells for short. Sure. We need these more than ever. And once you know that, you can then do things and see how the immune system is boosted. And you can measure NK cell activity, for instance, or whatever part of the immune system you happen to work on, right? And so um, it begins with diet you got to have a healthy diet. The immune system loves, like the rest of your body, a healthy diet. It loves fiber, for instance. It loves, you know, more vegetable-based uh, nutrients. It loves those. So a good balanced diet is essential. Uh, decrease fat. The immune system does not like saturated fat. Saturated fats actually make the immune system sluggish and less effective so try and have a healthy diet of course this is obvious i mean people yeah. knew this 100 years ago by the way but they don't know the details but the, but a good healthy diet is number one now the second thing then you need it to avoid is stress stress is a massive negative on the immune system especially chronic low-grade stress we've known this for decades we know people who are under stress get more colds and flu for instance because their immune systems are less less able and that's because of a hormone called cortisol Mm -hmm. which is made during low-grade stress, that is a really toxic molecule for the immune system. It kills off some of these cells. So try not to get too stressed. And these days, that's quite difficult, of course. But try to remember stress is bad. And, of course, a great way to decrease stress is exercise. That becomes our third pillar, if you will. Exercise is very important for the immune system. It does two things. It it, um, decreases stress, which is good. Uh, But secondly, it gets the blood flow going. And if you get the blood churning around your body, the immune system loves that. It's now mm-hmm. swimming away in your blood. It's And it can get sluggish. The immune system can be lazy and sit on the couch, you know. But if the blood is flowing, oh, then it's up and at of, you know, it's really good. So so blood flows. And it can be, even older people, literally a 15-minute walk is good, you know. You don't need to go mad here. And, of course, too much exercise is bad, actually, as well, by the way. So don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. Like most things, it's all about the, the balance so exercise is really good, fantastic for the immune system and then another couple of quick things uh, that we always talk about a good night's sleep is very important interestingly and again lots of studies have shown this if people are sleep deprived you can have uh, two-thirds less immune cells in your blood It can have a massive effect on the immune system you know and, and we think it's because of this whatever sleep does to your immune system it kind of turns it off a bit you know so a good night's sleep is really important as well and and, and the immune system loves a, a rhythm in the day it's called circadian rhythm and loves seeing that rhythm and seems to respond to that you know day 24 hour cycle so trying to keep a good routine is important as well um, and then i would mention one last quick thing and that is um one particular nutrient seems especially important that's vitamin d and again vitamin d was first discovered as a way to help your bones you know and mm-hmm. vitamin d deficiency gave people i think a rickets and then about i suppose, 25 years ago Immunologists began working on it and realized, hey, this is a real good immune molecule. The immune system needs vitamin D, and it really activates some of these immune cells that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, there's direct evidence for this. So you need vitamin D. And and in winter in Ireland, of course, you mainly make it, by the way, through sunlight Mm. on your skin. In the winter, many people are vitamin D deprived, especially older people, are vitamin D deprived. So you've got to keep your vitamin D levels up. And you can get it from fish, eggs. You know, you don't need to go and buy a supplement if you don't want and uh, mm-hmm. it's good to those fortified milks are good you know, you know vitamin d in some of those milk yeah. products that's really good so so I, I would keep an eye on vitamin d you don't need extra vitamin c if you have a normal balanced diet forget that it's it, you just urinate the whole thing away because it's water soluble so mm. there's no need to take a vitamin c supplement but certainly i'd be advocating people keep, keeping up their vitamin d levels
0: fantastic um yeah i guess i guess we, we we can wrap it up there. I think that's 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 that's, that's that's really really useful. And I, I think your your message is so strong and so so calming and reassuring in in what is a scary time for people. I suppose if I was asking you one last question, it would probably be, uh, what is the most reassuring thing you can tell us right now?
1: Oh, we will beat this. We will beat this for definite. And we're beginning to win the war against it. the Chinese have won the war, beginning to win the war for definite. Remember, they they got there first and they're leading the way. And, and, and you can see what's happening there and now things are going back to normal. So so we will beat this. There's no question If we just stand firm together. Now, this three month period is critical all over the world, not just in Ireland and, and the US. Of course, we're all looking at that aghast in a way. Now, what Trump is coming out with
0: yeah. every
1: scientist puts his head in his hands when that guy opens his mouth, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Now the governors in America are doing a great job, by the way. That's brilliant. That they will save us. But yeah. so, so, so there's no doubt. Everybody's on this, and we know that we can beat it. It's just going to take time, and people just need to be patient. And I know people keep asking, "Oh, when are we going to get out of this?" And I want to go back mm. to normal. Sadly, it's going to be a long haul. And if we all just stand together, realize we're all in this as one big community, we will beat it. That's that's the that's the overall message. <laughs> I'm not afraid to